So you always greet your guardian angels. As I, when I hear the gospel, one of the things I always do is greet each of your angels. And I ask God to help your angels to help you to receive the awesome word of God that God wants to give to you. Remember, I like to always per- refer to this beginning part of Mass called the Liturgy of the Word as the menu and the Liturgy of the Eucharist, which happens after the homily, is the meal. Go to a restaurant, you check out the menu, and you find something tasty, and then you choose it, and you have a meal. So that's what the Mass is. God is basically, this is the Last Supper. This is the Supper. This is the Lord's wedding feast. You've been invited to this wedding feast. And God wants you to look at the menu, if you will. Look at the Word of God to begin to elicit in you a desire, a thirst, a hunger, a taste uh, for Him. And remember, we're not here so much to feed our bodies, obviously. We're here to feed our souls. We're acknowledging that as persons we have a body and a soul. Some kids today don't even know they have a soul. So we need to always be aware that we are body-soul beings. When the body and soul separate, we call that death. So as we look at these scriptures, we look with that that in mind that we are... uh, body persons with, with a soul that needs to be cared for and fed. So God came into the world to care for primarily our souls. Our bodies are important, but these bodies are passing away, whether we like it or not. So our souls must always take priority. And so Jesus here is doing just that in the Gospel. In this Gospel today, This is the 29th Sunday of Ordinary Time. And in this Gospel, all throughout the world, the Church reflects on this Gospel. Wherever you are in whatever continent, in the Catholic Church, we're reading the same exact Scripture. Matthew chapter 22. It's important to understand this Gospel is in the context of Holy Holy Week. This is where Jesus, He's been basically, you know, popping the Pharisees and Sadducees a bit in the nose, challenging them. Um, as they lay heavy burdens on people but don't lift a finger to help people. So he's challenging their hypocrisy. And so it's not the Pharisees and Sadducees out there somewhere. All of us, if we're honest, can relate to being Pharisees and Sadducees. We all have our areas of struggle. And we've all judged. We've all been critical of people. So the Lord's saying to us today, you know, in this scripture reading, where they're trying to trap him. And, and it's one of those things where you might feel trapped because when we enter into silence and prayer, there's a tendency to feel maybe a little bit trapped. And what I mean by that is there's nothing to do in prayer. Prayer is not about what you do. Prayer is about who you are. Prayer is learning how to be with God. It's not learning how to do something for God. And so in this scripture, the Pharisees approach Jesus with this coin and they pull it out. And the Pharisees are teamed up with the Herodians. You have to understand, Herodians are a Jewish sect that agrees with Roman rule and occupation and agrees with the Roman authorities and how they're um, taxing and treating the people. 
So you have the Pharisees who might represent, you say, the, the religious, the religion, and then you have the state represented by the Herodians. And so Christ is being now confronted by both. If he says, well, sure, pay the temple tax, um, I'm for the temple tax, I'm for the census tax, whatever it be. Um, because there was a lot of tax and levies on the people at that time. And, and, and if he agreed to that, then the Jewish leaders, the religion dimension, would say, see, I told you so, he's with the Romans. So Christ then looks like he is someone that has, if you will, betrayed his people. But if he says no to the census tax, then the Herodians run back to Caesar and Jesus gets arrested for you know, basically rebelling against the state. So Christ is between a rock and a hard place. He's not in an easy place. I'm sure all of you have experienced that at times, right? No matter what you say, you're going to get it, right? And so Christ is in this place. Remember, Jesus chose his humanity. He didn't come begrudgingly to earth. God became man with great delight and desire. But remember, God was born in order to die, to destroy sin and death for you and I, for us. Okay? So what does he do? Well, Jesus says, well, let me have the coin. What do, what do you, let me, let me see it. So he looks at the coin, and he knew they were trying to test him, obviously, and trap him, as it says. But he says here, why are you testing me, hypocrites? Show me the coin. Then he says, you know, whose image is on the coin? Caesar's. Okay. Then he said, then repay to Caesar what's Caesar's and give to God what's God's. So this give to God what's God's is the key to this scripture. Because what God is saying is, okay, it has Caesar's image. It's of this earth. Give it to Caesar. It's, it's not a big deal. It's, it's his. It has his name on it. His picture on it. Give it to Caesar. But he says, give to God what is God's. Remember, Jesus is saying whose image. This is a reference to Genesis where God says, you and I were created in the image and likeness of God. So we can see each other as mere currency. If I treat you as a person as I treat a $20 bill, that's unjust, it's, it's not dignity, it's not your dignity, you don't deserve that. You deserve to be treated as a son or daughter of God. So Christ is confronting this, if you will, you're worth as much as you can perform or as much as you can do for me. Why do you think Judas left the Last Supper early, or the Mass early. Why did Judas leave and have betrayed Jesus? Why did he leave? Because he didn't get it. Judas didn't like how Jesus was being. Jesus, Judas wanted Jesus, or Jesus wanted Judas to do something for him. Come on, Jesus, do something. Let's get going here. I want you to be this. I want you to be that. I want you to be this. I want do something for me, Judas. And Jesus refused to play the game or to play the 
system of being another number in the system, another person to just continue the madness of treating people like as valuable as they perform well or as, as what you can do, you're worth that much. This is why we see today in our country why abortion and euthanasia are very much linked because the unborn can't do anything. Babies can't do anything. They simply learn how to, they simply are. And they need to be loved as they are. They can't perform, they can't build economy, they can't do anything. And as you become an elderly person, as you're older, you can't do as much. And the world model, Caesar's model, is you're draining the system. You're getting in my way. You're inconveniencing my life. Ultimately, this is it. Babies and the elderly teach us how to love. Bottom line. We're created to school each other in real love. Real love doesn't treat persons as numbers or currency. Real love sees you not just as a body person that can do something in the world, but real love sees your whole person. Beauty's not in the body, it's in the soul. Real love sees you. God sees you. God is love. Love is God. If I see your souls and I treat you as an immortal person, being, meaning you have a soul that will last forever. And I care for your soul. Then I'm seeing you as God sees you. So, Jesus is making a distinction here. Whose image is on the coin? Meaning, the things of the earth will always be the things of the earth. The things of heaven must be treated like the things of heaven. You are not of this earth. You're in the world, Jesus says, but you and I are not of the world. We're in the world, but we're not of this world. Why do you think we run around madly looking for happiness and love, but most often we don't find it? Because you won't find it in this world. Happiness, real peace, is only in God. If I put my peace in my capacity to play sports, well, one day I'm not going to be able to play sports, so I'm going to lose my peace. If I put my peace in my health, one day I'm going to lose my health, I'm going to lose my peace. If I put my peace in my husband or wife, well, one day my husband or wife are not going to perform like they want them to, and I'm going to lose my peace. If I put my peace in my job, well, one day I'm going to lose my job, and I'm going to lose my peace. If I put my peace in God, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I don't lose my peace. And I'm not saying this is like a magic wand. That doesn't mean we don't suffer and struggle. None of us have arrived. But this is something that we need to consider. When you sit in silence, God will confront the approach and attitude of treating each other like currency. Why can't we sit still? 
why do we prefer to always like pull out our phone or do something or read something or have to occupy ourselves? Because we don't know how to be loved. We know how to perform and earn love because that's what we've been taught. So when the mind's, when you try to sit still, you know what your mind's doing? It's jumping around because it's looking for a way to find, I got to do something because if I don't, I'm not going to be loved. We're addicted to doing. Like I always say, we're human beings, not human doings. And so again, challenge five minutes a day in silence throughout this next week. Confront with God that part of you that's terrified to be still. And here's how I do it. This might help you. My mind's jumping around. Say I'm in prayer. My mind's jumping around. This is what I do. I say to myself, listen. I kind of treat it like a bunch of little kids. Listen, you want to go outside, you want to go here, you want to go here, you want to do this, you want to do that. Guess what? We're not doing any of that until we sit here for five minutes. So you can whine and cry all you want. We're staying here for five minutes. And when we're done here five minutes, you can go out and play. But until then, get used to it. Because that's how you learn to confront that in you which resists simply being loved. We're not even aware often. Most of us aren't even consciously aware of how addicted we are to having to do something to get love. Why didn't Jesus dance when they wanted him to or like do whatever they wanted to? Because he wanted to be with people. How often do we just simply look at someone as, okay, what are they going to get done with their saying so I can do what I want to do? How about going to the grandma's house or grandpa's house or going to the nursing home and just sitting with someone? You want to learn to love, spend time with babies and the elderly. Then you'll find yourself and you'll find real peace because you'll learn through them how to be. It's hard because our world doesn't teach this. This is one of the unique messages of Jesus. He teaches us how to be human. And so as we look in the mirror, remind yourself when you look in the mirror, whose image is inscribed on me? Is it the world's image inscribed on me? Or is it God's image? We are created in the image and likeness of God. Be proud of that. Don't be ashamed of it. And go out. When people are like, all right, do something. Or make something. Just be. You've got to learn to discern and be at peace with being. And again, the way to do that is school yourself daily, five minutes in silence. And don't be afraid of the awkwardness and discomfort that come with silence. Whether people are pagan or Christian or whatever religion, silence is healthy. So take some time to be silent and let God teach you about real love.